0: Ladies and gentlemen, 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 you are now listening to to, the P-13 Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the P-13 Podcast again. It's another Tuesday when you or when we are dropping this, whenever you're listening to this, we want to say thank you. And remember, you can always keep the conversation going on our Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. Leave us in line. Leave us a question. It might turn into an episode as well. We got two people in the studio today. One and two. <laughs> Again, we have another in-studio guest, repeat guest, one of the many repeat guests that we have. But first before we get to the guest we've always got to introduce uh, the another long-haired gentleman in here so we're sticking with that long hair theme for season two the Jared Leto style hair like
0: ooh yeah I'd say that's fairly close
1: that's that's right on par huh he's
0: got pretty straight hair as do I he does
1: yeah. uh, he is mr. or Dr. Morbius in the new film. We're not sponsored by them, but... No. Maybe it's Bold a take out. a
0: sponsorship.
1: Yeah, well, why not? That is the one and only Thomas Conway. Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello. Hello, sir.
0: Mr. Thomas Conway is my father. So actually, it's no, Mr. Wait, Chris I was, Conway. I was going to say,
1: like, you're Thomas Conway the second, then?
0: No. <laughs> but I just felt that was an appropriate thing to say, because usually that's what people say after... That's true. ...they get called Mr.
1: That is very true. I didn't really know that, actually.
0: Too but nice. I don't think he gets called Mr. either, so... Does... I don't know who Mr. Thomas Conway is.
1: That could be your grandfather.
0: We're yet to meet. No. That Fair wasn't enough. my grandfather's name.
1: What was your. Um, well, do you have your grandfather's name?
0: I, of course I know it. Do you not know yours? <laughs> I don't. You don't know your grandfather's name?
1: No. Actually, I've never met them, and my parents never really talk about them, to be honest.
0: Okay. All right. So this, this is, is another. <laughs> a- <laughs> we still need to do a a more in-depth Kala expose here because I just continue to learn fascinating things about him every single day.
1: Yeah. Well, I said there, that first one was only a part one. Yeah. There may be more solo episodes along the horizon, but we can save those for another day. Yeah. Maybe I'll just leave little tidbits every week. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you can constantly learn throughout uh. the weeks and then it'll accumulate into one giant long episode of myself.
0: Yeah. You sh- side note though. You should figure out your grandparents names.
1: I know it's terrible.
0: I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's I not bad. Sure. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. I just, uh, I don't know. You never wondered.
1: Uh, that's an excellent question. I, I, I don't know. I guess not because <laughs> no, because no one really talks about it. Uh, well, my grandmother, yeah no we we i would call her something else in, in tagalog um but like she we would never call her like by name it was always oh so
0: you knew your grandmother
1: i i've met yeah she used to babysit me when i was really young oh what did we call but her? you never called her by her name no we never called and her therefore by her name. you never knew her name no okay i want to say it's elaine okay it might be but all right well yeah other than that like no one else do you think
0: that's a cultural thing or
1: maybe because we used so like uh, like, especially in Tagalog, like, well, I'll, I'll use brother it, it's, or elder. Elder is kuya, like an elder, like brother or sibling or whatever, mm. or like elder cousin. You call them kuya. Interesting. Instead of calling them by like their name, like, yeah. hey, that's J.R.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting.
1: It was, the names never really come up.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Always interesting to learn about other cultures.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well.
0: Maybe you'll start an Ancestry.com account and then you can start.
1: I've always debated about that, but then they always like.
0: I mean, that's not the one that you have to give your DNA. You can. You can. But you don't have to. You can just start piecing little little pieces of history together. It's pretty interesting. That would be pretty interesting. My dad has a pretty in-depth, yeah. Ooh. Pretty. It goes back far. And now we're adding like Ashley's side to the story. There's some interesting names on that side. Nice. Yeah.
1: Is there any interesting stories about like someone was a secret agent? I've always wanted that as, like, part of my ancestry to, like, to no, find out.
0: I mean, my my dad's dad was not a secret agent, but he was a uh, bombardier pilot Ooh. in World War II, and he got shot down in Belgium and hid in Belgium for, like, I don't know, six or eight months from the Nazis.
1: My God. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's a pretty...
0: Well, I mean, he, he lived, like... Oh, okay. But uh, it was a pretty... It's a pretty interesting story because he was there he was missing in action like his wife my grandma didn't know where he was and like the citizens of this little town basically like helped hide him um
1: is there a movie about this
0: no but i've actually thought about writing a book about it that's gonna that's one of my (laughs) goals over the next year for it's actually i want to do it as a gift for my dad
1: that'd be amazing
0: yeah so we'll see but that was, that was an interesting set side little sidebar into uh, family history, which is which is very fascinating. I think, I think ancestry and family history and all that stuff is very very interesting. Ooh, we I need like to it. keep the stories alive. We I do. Think that's I think that's the big thing because our ancestors learned a lot of lessons that I think nowadays we tend to forget.
1: I would say that's a which good is example. Partially of that. why? Well. <laughs>
0: No, but I mean, like, from more of a societal perspective, I think, you know, that's that is, with just everything that's happened recently politically, you know, I I think part of that is like we lose sight of like how bad things were, you know, with certain, like in the nineteen forties with Europe, you know.
1: That's an excellent point.
0: So, anyways, but that could be its own its own podcast. That could
1: be a future podcast right there.
0: P thirteen talks (laughs) history.
1: Um, speaking of more history uh, again we have a, another repeat guest who is one of the new additions to this p13 history you heard him previously on one of our uh, previous podcasts with taking two steps back to take one or taking one step back to take two steps forward it is the one and only mr. Jared Taylor
2: hello hello everybody I'm back again back again Great to get a little bit of a uh, history going on do I you think,
1: have so. any history that is interesting or it doesn't have familial
0: history
2: familiar history i'd say one thing that will correlate with that is i also never really got to know my grandfathers i only know my grandmothers and until what was it a few years back i finally actually met uh my grandfather on my father's side very briefly just for a single visit but i've never met my mother's side grandfather so is he still alive no longer alive. Got it. Okay. Not alive.
1: Yeah. Do you know their names? You don't have no. to say it on the podcast, but You yeah, don't know their names. No, I,
2: I definitely even from that one time I like I guess it just wasn't as significant as impact as I thought it would be and of course like never knowing him until like he's on the edge of, of death of course and like yeah. then I was like still a young and I was like I never met you before. Like I don't know. I just never had that impact with him.
0: But yeah. do did, did you know your grandmother's names? Yeah. You knew them. Okay. Yeah. Did you uh have a specific name for them that was not like their first name, other than grandma.
2: No, I'd say most of the time it would be just it would be grandma. Yeah. I just uh, make, like grandma. But not ate.
0: different for your Filipino side.
2: Filipino side, it definitely was for brother and sister. Like I'd always uh, call my brother Kuya, yeah. and for sister Ate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, and I'd always say that. There's sometimes where I was like, "Wait, I've been saying ate for so long." Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, what's your name again? Name. <laughs> yeah. That is very interesting. Um, I did not know that about the Filipino culture. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Very so, like, cool.
1: I have friends who still go, like, who still call them their elders, and they're, like they're like in their 40s and stuff like that, and they're like, "Yeah,
0: kuya." Yeah.
1: And they'd be like Kuya or Ate, like you never hear them say their first no- name. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like if you're having a co- if like if I'm in the conversation, you'd be like, hey, w- what's up, John, or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it, it felt off sometimes. Like, wait, right. why am I not saying Kuya or Ate or yeah, something yeah. else? Yeah. Not by their name. Like I, I know I know their name, but it's like yeah, like, it right. Just, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like every wow. day. <laughs>
0: it was very cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, very well, interesting. Learned a little bit about each other, which is always good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great start. <laughs> I love it. Ten minutes in.
1: Again, it's always a nice... All right. Thing. You always get to learn a little something. Right. Um, but taking it back to what the topic of today is, as you know, training has a ton of different forms. It can take the forms of lifting weights, dancing, stretching, walking, and even running, which is the topic of today, running. Some of us really enjoy it. Some of us really dislike it. No worries. Maybe because you had a negative association with the movement, such as having to run because... You Did something wrong in gym class? You may not have brought punishment. The... Oh, yeah, when you don't bring the right gym clothes,
0: yeah, or you forget your. Did you have to wear a like, like a, an assigned gym like, in, outfit? In, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for
1: grade for us, grade nine, so that's for y'all, uh, freshman,
0: no, junior year.
1: Well, it's equivalent to a freshman, Wait, but it's a sophomore. Sorry, it's equivalent. Got it. No, no, no. Grade 10. Sorry. 10. 11, oh, yeah. 12. That's yeah, what. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So grade 10 is equivalent to your sophomore year in high school here, but it's technically supposed to be a freshman. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: That mm-hmm. does. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So we had assigned uh, gym attire, but like if you like got it washed and then you forgot or at least in my case, my parents forgot like, oh, yeah, you have to wear this. So they just gave me some other clothes at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then <laughs> you got in trouble. I got in trouble. Oh my God. I had to I had to run. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I was like, well, well, this sucks. Did
2: your school ever have double layer shirts for PE? Thing? Like reversible? Yes. Like reversible, yeah, so running did. was
0: extra worse cause you would be just Cause it was like soaked. super thick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know why they did that, but it was a reversible, like one side was, for us, one side was process, red, one man. side was blue. And I mean, I think maybe it was for like when they would do team stuff. I'm not sure. It was a quick swap, but yeah. Oh my gosh, that yeah. you out there
2: baking. You're, yeah, yeah.
1: Did they give you? Wait, did you all have cotton stuff or did you have like at least yeah. some mesh? It was, it was cotton. So it was cotton or like cotton cotton shorts.
0: Uh, no, it was like jersey shorts. Same. Oh, what? Yeah. See, yeah, we got
1: cotton shorts and they were gray.
0: Like, <laughs> so it showed sweat real Dude, good. It, it,
1: we were we were you we were in all gray, like that light heather gray, <laughs> and I sweat oh, like man. a mad dog, and it's like
0: a little swass.
1: Oh dude, it's brutal. Yeah. Like, uh, and the shorts were hella short too. Anyways, Canada is weird, and it's cold out short there. Short shorts
0: are back in now though. So short shorts mm-hmm. are back in now. Not back then though.
1: No, I used to wear purposely wear baggier shorts underneath my basketball shorts. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, that's beside the point. <laughs> you might be wondering when it comes to running. You might be wondering how do you incorporate it. Uh, into your repertoire, what are the benefits of running? Is running right for me? How do I get started? How do I get into it? Well, that's where we start the conversation today. Where do you start with running, Mr. Uh, Taylor?
2: Well, well, well. With running, you are definitely on the course for a little bit of a journey uh, with seeing what your bodily body may be capable of. <laughs> your bodily fluids are <laughs> capable. <of. laughs> your body is capable of, as you take those steps further for yourself, uh, whether it be the roads, the trails, or the many routes we have around us within our environment. I know that many may dislike running because of the word cardio. Yes, we all mm-hmm. dread cardio, but I like to probably think about it as a way of conditioning ourselves in one of many ways. I don't know if that helps, um, but way to get around that cardio word for conditioning. Um, and then looking forward onto that, you're really pushing your body Um, to deal with a lot of cardiovascular strain, uh, which can be tough on you, um, besides just kind of working those muscles all the time. You don't really wanna think about the heart too much, but definitely is a great benefit to your heart. Um, With that, you're also looking on a big impact for joints, muscles, and even your your nervous system in several ways. Um, And these are definitely factors playing a vital role in how you really need to think about adding, running into your routine throughout the week, and how to do so to properly adapt down the road.
1: Oh, interesting, interesting. So, th- how about like the progression between, or I'd say progression or major differences as well between like rog- walking, jogging, and running? So, do they carry different oh. definitions.
2: So, definitely uh, through their definitions, um, when you, of course, start with walking, you will be sticking to both feet are pretty much always on the ground one step to the next as you go leisurely down the road but once you get into the area of jogging and running you are turning into a faster pace but also turning into technically hopping in a way from one foot to the next so that's where that impact comes in from one joint to the other from being basically hovering at one point and then taking that next step one at a time
1: when you're pursuing the running and jogging pieces how Easy is it to get into? Because well, I guess the one benefit it, it's free. You can if
0: and you can do it anywhere. You can do I it think yes. I think the thing yes. that we often see is uh, that people or that I often see is people r- running is extremely low barrier to entry. Anybody can do it for for the most part. It's no cost, mm-hmm. and you can just open your door and start going. Mm-hmm. So, change the world. Yeah, exactly. Shine. And and I see a lot of people take that approach, which is good. But also, I think that people look at it differently. And so they might just think they can just do that without any real thought. What do you think people need to do when they think about just, like, before they just jump into it?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, just for, like, running as you do with, like, any sort of exercise or anything new for yourself, especially your body, you want to really look into your technique as a foundation. You're looking at how the form is for you're running and looking at your pacing, taking into account of how far you're going to go, how far you would like to go, finding what is comfortable. I know it's not gonna be comfortable in the beginning. Your body may be not used to such impact continuously, especially going for say further than 20, 30 minutes or beyond that time, because typically in your your day, you may think I need at least 30 minutes of work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that may need to be continuous. And that's still a lot of impact even though it may seem short even like five to ten minutes can catch up to you really fast when it comes to running so you may get very uncomfortable even even before that it may be exhausting because it's definitely again another way of training you're training your heart a lot more than you think of just kind of pounding out weights Mm -hmm. or other things uh, to kind of work on your body so you really gotta set yourself up for that adaptation over time taking it slow as you would in the gym Getting yourself nailed down for that foundation and setting yourself up for the right path that way, you don't go into it and immediately
0: just stop yourself or hate it. Yeah, you gotta find a way to groove with it and build yourself up. Yeah, and so you mentioned like uh, some sometimes people will start out and like that they can just be going five minutes and start to get uncomfortable. So, would you recommend that people when they start to experience that, would you recommend people go into like kind of a uh a walk jog kind of pattern where if they get to that five minute mark and they're feeling tired already, would you say like try to walk for two minutes and then start jogging again? Like, so basically should they, should they kind of have in their mind, I'm going to do 20 minutes minimum, but it's going to be a mix of walking slash jogging based on how I feel.
2: That's totally perfect. Yes. And that's definitely what I advise for most people to Get started with is taking yourself in intervals or increments there and maybe even like it's a minute on of just kind of going on a slow jog and just kind of getting down some steps and then eventually maybe turning into a longer walk maybe you go like one on and then one off that way it's more time spent kind of letting yourself reconnect or just like kind of relax a little bit with the walking and then step back into something that's a little more harsher on your body versus even going one for one or even going overbearing, like, oh, I can go two minutes for sure, or five minutes for sure and take maybe a minute off. It's like, no, like you're gonna take less time than you think to actually put yourself in that push Mm -hmm. and then give yourself more of a relaxed. So it will be a smarter choice, especially the first thing you may feel is gonna be down to your joints that are gonna feel it because maybe your muscles can take it, but not always can your joints take that impact for an extended period of time. It'll creep up on you pretty fast.
0: Yeah. You mentioned uh, also too, like you mentioned technique. So I'm curious and I'm not sure how much experience you have with this or if you dealt with this yourself, but if somebody does have like a gait issue or, you know, a, a foot striking issue, like maybe their foot is striking in quote unquote the wrong place. I mean, there's maybe debate around that if there is a wrong place, but maybe it's like A difference between sides or something is off with the gait or their striking pattern. How do you recommend that people? Go about addressing that.
2: So definitely with your technique uh, running from your foundation of your feet all the way up to the top of your body um, For your feet you typically want to keep that pattern like pretty much fairly straight within a certain range without too much of turning or kicking too far out to the side and kind of letting that energy leak out as you would say because you want all the energy to drive yourself forward and not go out and probably drain yourself more than you think it's like hey that that run wasn't too bad but i felt like i was kind of exhausted it's like well if you look back from an angle or even from straight behind you or straight forward if someone took a video you could see that maybe you're crossing over more than you may have been paying attention to or even feeling because again as you begin you're not really in tune with that. you kind of just wanted to go. Yep, so yeah. yeah, definitely running with your feet kind of going your footing pattern and seeing how that goes whether you pronate, going from out to in or even supinate a little bit, going from inside to the outside. Different people uh, have a different ways of even walking to and, and transferring that over into the running mm-hmm. and even going up the chain, especially for, say, your upper posture. Many people may be too far upright or leaning too far forward and may see yourself stumbling a lot from going too far forward or too upright and may feel like there's a lot of impact going down on your back as well mm-hmm. from trying to keep yourself so upright over the time. And also you will go down to the chain of your knees and then of course your ankles. So a slightly forward lean is definitely optimal for yourself as you carry yourself forward, especially having your sight set forward with a little bit of a, a tuck for that chin, but keeping yourself focused and honed ahead And another thing I would see a lot as well is looking at your arm movements that will also contribute to the pattern with your legs is seeing as well. If you're again, crossing over that midline Mm -hmm. and swaying back and forth, instead of having that drive just a little bit outside arms or your elbows at around 90 degrees, and then light, nice light shoulders, not letting them creep up or tense up as you're running, or even also keeping your hands very light without too much tension as well is contributing factor driving yourself in a nice line and forth with a little bit of an angle is okay, but when it gets very drastic, you see sort the of elbows flare out and it just becomes more and more of an energy leak as you make yourself go down the road.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've never really heard it described that way that, you know, again, the goal is forward locomotion and so if you have too much motion going in other directions, you can start using excess energy or like you said, leaking energy um, and it sounds like too, there's There's kind of like some general guidelines, but there can also be flexibility from individual to individual. So you mentioned you want to be generally feet straight, but maybe it's slightly different from person to person. I mean, you think that kind of like individual variability is probably fine as long as it's not causing pain or anything like that.
2: Yeah, definitely looking at what mechanics can work for someone and adjusting as best you can within a range versus being like a strict rule of thumb. Like you have to be at this angle to be most efficient. It can work different based on, of course, your structure, but there are definitely more efficient forms or postures to hold in order to help get your energy out there in the path you want to take versus going out somewhere else or, uh, depleting faster than you think. Yeah.
1: Nice. So when it comes to exercise prescription, well, I guess that's maybe a little broader term, but like when it comes to prescribing the running, how do you determine that? How do you determine like how far I should go, like how long or what what might be comfortable? Like how how does one go about deciding that?
2: So, yeah, it's definitely a big thing. You really want to know what you're going to set yourself up with in like your program or routine of that distance, the time, frequency throughout the week and what you want to start with. I definitely start very small. And as we talked about, even with say time, or even within your mileage, you really want to break that down into your intervals to help build yourself up. Cause in beginning mileage, it's going to be, of course, fairly short. Maybe it's three miles, maybe it's five miles within the first like coming weeks. And that's broken down very slowly. And you're trying to get a feel for that time frame as well, that your body's under, so that time and distance has its role and seeing, uh, where you want to be getting better at, in terms of like having the capacity to kind of hold yourself even longer. Maybe you're going for a mile, but your mile could be of course 10 miles, or someone's mile could be 15. So that time duration could have a deeper impact down the road. And so I'd say keeping it low, especially for most people, depending on if definitely you're on maybe the lighter side, uh, maybe it won't be as bad uh, for you if you take yourself more distance down the road, retaining to your joints and having that healthy adaptation maybe if you're more on the heavier side maybe pack a lot of muscle or maybe just a lot of weight in general that will definitely take a little longer for you to help adapt a little longer because of that carryover so it's definitely uh, going to depend on several factors definitely the weight how much experience you have or what other activities have you been doing that may Have carried over some of that impact. So maybe you already go on maybe some sprints or you do some work. So you have some of that bounciness in yourself that you've been able to adapt to and that's already set. So you can take a little further. So there are definitely more adding to that. But I'd say, general idea, keeping it low, adding those intervals, taking account of your time. Like, write it down. It's like, hey, like Mm -hmm. today, hey, it took three minutes and that felt pretty good. I went on for a one-for-one, a three-minute walk, and did that for, say, 30 minutes. So I was like 10 sets, right? There were 10 intervals right there. And that was a good progression from last week. Maybe I can take it up another 30 seconds or a minute. And you get to record and see how well you're progressing and feeling. So that's the thing. Take down notes of how you're actually feeling from that week-to-week basis. To acknowledge how well you're adapting to running
1: down the road. You said three miles was short, and I was like, oh. (laughs) i don't know about that one
0: depends (laughs) on the person definitely depends on the the person that's true that's true three miles would be long for me right now that's me too yeah
1: it's been a while so uh, you do get some common questions that people ask and i do have some curiosities about these as well too with some of the other external factors surrounding running such as i guess one of them shoes like what's your take on shoes and running
2: so for shoes there's definitely so much variety you can stick with There definitely are high ends of cushion that you may see one, one brand that really sticks out with a lot of cushion is Hoka. Mm. They are definitely on the higher end. You may see people a lot of wear it for work because of how much cushion there is and how much comfort it gives you because of that absorption impact. I definitely have tried to work with it, but it just seems like sometimes it's too much cushion for me or even for other people. So it might be too much of a heel lift in that matter of fact, Mm. or just too much of a, of a barrier as well, or not barrier, but a supportive Uh, factor
0: does Hoka have what's the drop in is it the same drop in all their shoes or is there like do they have zero drop options or
2: I'm not sure if they do have any zero drop they do have some uh, smaller versions of not as much high-end cushion but they typically do run on the highest heel lift most running shoes that i've noticed yeah and definitely some people will do it say for their longest runs because of the amount of absorption mm-hmm. that gives them if they're doing even up to like a half marathon even a marathon yeah that'll help with that prolonging impact uh, right. for them but they definitely have some variation i don't know too much beyond that but i know they have their variation in that heel after a cushion factor mm-hmm. but people will look to them for that higher end piece right there on the cushion yeah yeah and then running down the line you'll definitely see like maybe the average cushion through asics brooks Saucony. they definitely work very well i myself have been working through all those brands and i found myself working well with asics and Saucony for a long time and then i eventually made my way into brooks is what i use for now Mm -hmm. um and that has been keep me going for the past two years and is sticking to that. And I've definitely had no issues keeping with that. I think in the past, it's mainly just due to wear and tear of mm-hmm. sometimes in the past for other companies that would probably give out way sooner than I thought in my mm-hmm. mileage routine or even the terrain. I maybe transfer from road to the dirt yeah. or even the track and that would kind of like divvy it up, but I'd say they die down faster. And Brooks have been holding it fairly well, even throughout a whole Year, if I divided up amongst the course, a few shoes, that's also a key factor. Keeping yourself with the couple pairs or a few pairs there to help spread the mileage, and going further than that for the cushion factor, it'd be even going down to people. I'd say a trend nowadays is going with the barefoot or minimalist shoes. Mm-hmm. And just like with too much cushion, with no cushion at all, can be a huge risk factor for all people. We're so used to nowadays of having so much cushion mm-hmm. in our shoes and barely getting able to work our feet in a proper manner. And especially I'd say for those that are more so like even heel strikers uh, versus a four foot striker yep. or even a toe uh, striker, that will definitely um, be a huge impact on just that abrupt uh, hard floor or even if it's cushioned for the track, like not having that barrier for yourself between the ground and your heel can be very damaging even from taking like the first few steps because you don't want to, even if you are an experienced runner, for sure that you don't just go into a different shoe and just, hey, I'm going to go for my five mile yeah. fast paced run. You got to test yourself, say go for 30 minutes, maybe an hour in a day or every other day and really get your foot feet used to that sort of impact and that change for yourself. You can't just like, get yourself into it. It's like, oh, this seems nice. It seems like what's trendy right now. Let me just do it right away. It's like, no, like yeah. test it out. Maybe it isn't worth uh, worth it. Maybe it isn't good for you all the time, depending on your terrain. Maybe you have a more rocky terrain mm-hmm. and that's definitely gonna demand more, I'd say of a control factor and stability and the cushion may be a lot there to help, especially with a more rigid shoe as well, around your ankle versus minimalist, tend to be minimal across all areas. So that's also somewhere to be mm-hmm. careful with.
1: So you mentioned a little bit of the terrain, so the environment. How do those affect kind of how you plan out your runs or like how does that affect your distance frequency, all that good stuff that's associated with running?
2: Yeah. So environment is definitely a big uh, factor that I've always been playing with coming from like hard... Uh, ground such as a concrete asphalt that we always have around us uh, within the city or just our roads and then on to the soft terrain which you'll look at dirt and grass the astroturf for the fields or even the rubber tracks surrounding these also these all will have a huge impact on how well your body will be able to say take continuous impacts deal with how long maybe you're comfortable and also like where to start i'd say for most people i'd want you to stick with something that's fairly us uh, on the soft ground that way there's more of an absorption factor for that softer ground uh for that impact because definitely with harder ground that's a lot of abrupt force coming right back at you into your foot and driving up your body uh, i'm not saying you can't do it but you may be going maybe a lot shorter on that time frame or even distance of even trying to hit yourself on that hard asphalt because down the road that will seep into your recovery mm-hmm. and you'll feel like, hey, I had a nice run today. I went on the track and kinda I was very bouncy. It bounced back and it wasn't very harsh, but the next day I just went for a mile as well and I went out on the concrete and gosh, my knees were just killing me yeah. all the next day and I couldn't even bear to walk for maybe the next two days after that. And it's definitely that big factor of that uh returning force of once you hit that floor of that hardwood or the concrete or asphalt, uh, compared to much softer ground. So playing with it, you can do both, but be very mindful of what you're really stepping onto in the beginning and even coming forward. Some people, uh, like myself, I most of the time will stick to the soft terrain of the dirt trails, grassy lands for myself. Cause I can even tell to this day after even years of running, maybe a day or two of running on the concrete it just it comes back to my knees like okay i can't do it it's even hard for me to even do my lifts that i want to do the next day yeah so that's also a big toying factor with and you sometimes you just don't want to mess around with that Mm -hmm.
1: Mm, i see so now looking at the macro level of things when it comes to planning out your your runs how does that occur and how how have you come to that i guess system for yourself when it comes to planning out the big scope of things when determining okay if I wanted to run I don't know 26 miles at some point in my routine maybe I want to run a marathon how do I plan out for that what am I looking for in terms of like the frequency how's my warm-up how are my cooldowns planned out how did the how does that all settle in for you
2: yeah there's yeah definitely a bigger plan to what's going on when you're adapting to your running and getting that into your routine as best as possible. Um, a rule of thumb per se, that has a little bit of a range in itself, but most runners stick to it, even up to elite runners. And I definitely recommend even recreational runners staking with it is the 80%, 20% rule. And this one is going to be 80% of your runs. You're going to be doing easy. And by easy, I truly mean easy. Like you should be able to be holding conversations or feeling like you are More so like in a semi relaxed, uh, pace for yourself could be even a walk run. (laughs) That could be your easy. That's true. Hey, like maybe going on, on, on those three minute runs could be reaching moderate and like, Hey, I need to keep myself easy. I need to add a walk in here, do it. And moving forward if you push yourself even further you're like oh shoot like i'm changing into a more extreme zone like mm-hmm. okay what's going on here my heart's pretty much racing it's like well at that point you're pretty much getting into the moderate to even the hard zone and that's 20 percent of the training you should be doing mm-hmm. so not every run needs to be the heart pounding pushing yourself to the edge all the time in order for you like to feel like you did something or accomplished oh i pushed myself on my run like i feel like i can get something out of this if I don't, like if I took it easy, why would I take it easy? But you need to know what it takes for the 80% and how that helps so much down the road in order to actually make more of that 20% hard, hard training, uh, that you want to do more of. And this necessarily could be 75%, maybe 70%, 30% on that scale. But definitely people have been sticking to this for many years uh, of their training again, at those top levels in order to help build themselves up and making sure that they can run hard when they want to and be better at it. So a key thing you can look into with that transition of seeing what's easy, light to moderate, into that hard zone of moderate to the higher intensity is that ventilatory threshold. You'll definitely feel your breathing pick up, feel like your lungs are on fire, feel like maybe your heart is pacing way higher than it should be. If you do track your heart rate during your workouts, it's also a good trace, but also big thing is how well you are feeling. You definitely will see how hard your breathing is going. When that 80% is running, you have to stick to that easy. You'll definitely see yourself keeping in a certain zone. There are several zones when it comes to running. You can go up to say 5, maybe up to 7 zones in here. Typically within zone one, it may be kind of more relaxed, adding in majority probably you're walking with maybe minimal running or you're running is like very, very leisurely. And then when going into zone two, it's like you can keep a very good pace, but you're also able to talk with someone. You're by their side and they can hear you. They can actually pay attention to what's going on in terms of listening. And it's not so hard on their breathing. You may be able even to nose breathe. Nose breathing is definitely key indicator for that transition zone. Sometimes in don't you may be doing some mouth breathing, but you should be able to breathe through your nose as well in that zone. And once you reach that, that'll be your transition into that moderate zone of zone say like three through five, where you're really pushing your pace a little bit more and getting towards your race pace up to that four or even all out being a zone five for taking that into consideration. So as much as you may want to go faster and further, you got to build your endurance get that capacity there because that is key. The higher that capacity is the higher as well. Those hard days can be pushed
0: in itself for you. So I'm curious, um, you know, Cala mentioned training for something like 26 miles. If someone were to be training for, well, let's, we talked about this on a few episodes ago, a 400 meter run, <laughs> uh, would you recommend that same 80 20 rule? And how would that look different from someone that is training for longer distance? Yeah.
2: So definitely even with those short distances, you're gonna be taking yourself through that easy chance easy, Easy pace majority of the time you're still pushing yourself on the track or going through sprints uh, But 20% is kind of like when you know, like you're getting very close to how like maybe that 80 90% of what you do when it comes to that race event for yourself so you still want to build yourself up push yourself but stick to that rule of thumb as well you really want to build up your capacity for a 400 runner if you're going to have that sprint you're going to still be running even up to 800 maybe a little beyond that maybe 1200 to kind of help with that capacity in itself down the road it's still maybe a little faster um, as if you're course going those longer distances but you're still having yourself stick to that capacity and not kill your lungs or your legs with an all-out sprint each time thinking that oh if it's a short distance i gotta always be running fast it's like yeah. no yeah like you're still going to be taking your laps or you're still going to be making sure that each workout you're able to recover from and even take on the next day it's not just going to be killer like okay 400 i think i could just keep running 400 maybe an 800 maybe 100 sprints and just like gas myself it's, yeah no you still take that rule of thumb with you on that track for those shorter distances and even beyond. Cause for those that will be going on for their half marathon or marathon pace, they're not gonna always be like, okay, I can, I can run a lot of mileage. Like maybe like I can do the 13, but they're not gonna be pushing themselves. Like, oh, I'm gonna run 10 miles all out this day and then do like a 5k and then just keep nailing themselves with even shorter distances and then taking it further. And it's like, oh, I'm gassed every yeah. time it's like, yeah. You, some people may be able to handle it for a short term, but I'd say it's going to catch up to sooner than later when that capacity is taken
0: out of consideration. So maybe a 400, someone training for a 400, they would just do less total volume than a longer distance person, but the percentage and proportion would still be 80% of that volume is easy, easier. And 20% is hard.
2: Yeah, because they still have a relatively, I'd say, high volume in itself, uh, because of the amount of compact work they do versus more of a, in like a duration or longer term. Because even back in like cross country days and then into track days, the sprinters, of course, always finished before the long distance runners because we're just going on for longer periods and we have to sustain ourselves over that time frame. Versus sprinters can get their high amount of volume done, maybe a little quicker with less rest or. Mm-hmm if uh, they need a longer rest period, but they still have a good amount of volume for themselves. It's just, we got to go at a longer time to help build ourselves for the longest distances, taking down the mile, two mile yeah. Further, and further. Yeah,
0: got it.
1: I got two two side, qu- well, one's a side question, one's an actual question regarding the, the topic.
0: Uh-oh, side question.
1: Side question first. What's a good 400 time?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are we looking at? Looking at. High
0: school, Uh, just like um, for a, just a good time for an adult
1: for an average male between the ages of twenty eight and forty.
0: Yeah, twenty eight and forty. Um, that's a pretty big range. (laughs) So say the, not only are they between the ages of thirty four and thirty five. But say they may or may not weigh two hundred and ten pounds and be six foot three inches tall, and
1: maybe own a gym. Yeah, in the San Francisco area. Perhaps, perhaps (laughs) these are are
0: (laughs) attributes of the person that is wondering about what a good four hundred meter time is. Well,
2: there's definitely a lot of factors else to look into with that. But like, given those parameters, parameters of information right there, they could be looking at a solid. Could be up to sixty seconds, maybe even up to seventy, maybe a little faster. Because definitely, as a tall person, you're going to be covering more ground more quickly. So if you have a good turnover rate uh, for running, uh, that could also add into a faster time. And maybe down the road, you could breach even sixty seconds, especially thirty-four to thirty-five. Okay. I have hope. I have okay. hope. Okay. Okay. So, so basically, you, I'm you,
0: here you, in you, under you, a minute. Yeah, you, I believe that you, would be good. Okay. Uh, what did uh, I say on the last time? Fifty-five. 55. Uh, that was a bit of stretch but we'll see i'll start with under a minute
1: based well i mean i i would say Here's this I would person say. i'm not a
0: slow I would well say this person this person <laughs> is not a slow person historically
1: they've also played rugby
0: yep um their best 40 time in high school was a four nine
1: that's pretty okay that's All pretty right. good
0: it's not super slow no. no not super fast but yeah and this person i would say does have pretty good capacity always this has. is true Oh, yeah. always have. This is
1: good. On, good on chipper workouts for sure.
0: Yeah. So, um, but I think the X factor for this person would be some of the stuff you talked about earlier of technique and like things like that. Efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I be as as well, they have not <laughs> practiced running for any length of time. Yeah, since like college.
1: Anyway. <laughs> That's all good. So getting, get, I know this getting, person yeah, fairly well. For getting,
0: yeah, getting
2: back into running and making that a goal of yours and getting your body, of course, used to running and technically like sprinting at that point if you're gonna go for the yeah. 100, yeah. Um, there's definitely a different way of learning your technique and how to pace yourself within that shorter distance. And seeing where to do your kick, how well to start off, or Mm. even having maybe someone pace with you as well. Yeah. Kind of learning for yourself, like how well you can adjust within the 400 meters. Um, So I I, I believe you can, that person can't get
1: get, get, get down down below. It's (laughs) me, everyone. (laughs) Transitioning from there though. Well, I guess this kind of relates to it. You talk, we talked a lot about the, the easy part of this. So the 80% of the mentality when it comes or 80% of the, the program coming through the easy work. When do you place the hard work in there? When do you place that type of training?
2: So as you know, the 20% will be the fifth of that work uh, for your high days and they will have their time in place in your training. They could could be spread out within maybe your easy workouts in itself. If you're going for time, maybe if you want to push maybe a 50 minute run like you're going for and you have built yourself all the way up there, you could technically go 40 minutes on a nice easy stride and maybe give yourself, hey, this is my last 10 minutes and I really want to kick it. Should I do it? And it's like, yes, if that actually fits into, say, the 20% of like your weekly volume and that's where you're going to push yourself you can go for it. And maybe even the next day, you could give it yourself another 20%. If need be, and you spread that maybe into smaller intervals. So it can distribute fairly wide and many different manners. Um, as that 20% carries over within your weekly volume. So if you measure yourself time, or mileage, you need to distribute that yourself within your record to making sure that within those runs from day to day or even week to week, maybe, um, you do four weeks of easy running and maybe your fifth week you give yourself a couple of days to really push yourself and maybe that's your event as well like okay i can really push myself harder and test myself of what i've built up over time
1: or in thomas's case thomas. <laughs> 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 yeah. test thomas yes test 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 testy love that guy <laughs> uh so this actually is a is a good one. So we talked about earlier at the top of the podcast, how does one get started? How do, you, how do you get going on this?
2: So for getting yourself going, I know that many of us in our days, we may not spend enough time walking. And walking can definitely be a big player in setting ourselves up for running. Uh, biggest thing is just being on our feet for an extended period of time. Maybe it could be even uncomfortable for some people to, get those 30 minutes to an hour long walks in the day, or maybe they just don't get enough of them. And that could carry over uh, a lot for yourself by taking on that hour or even more for yourself. As for the benefits of maybe your cardiovascular, that's where you need to start and kind of help build lung capacity um, and reap the benefits of just the impact on your joints again, and seeing how well you can take yourself on for that time duration as it is very light in the sense of comparison for running. Um, so, getting yourself there is such a huge factor uh, when you're carrying yourself on your feet for those high impact movements down the road. Um, we definitely uh, want to see ourselves uh, get into our jogging and running, uh, but a starting point get some walks in, like throughout your week do that by yourself or maybe it's your activity that you're going to do as your break or just getting some outside time, get yourself to walk. Let's say is a huge start.
0: Yeah. I talk to a lot of people about walking in general, just as a, not only will it make you prepared for running and jogging, but I think it's just one of the best things that people can do. And, and like you kind of said, like, I don't think that we do enough of it. You know, um, I mean, we're designed to be walking a lot i think every day and you know now most people are confined to their desk for most of their day so walking i think like you said carries so many benefits and and it's interesting that you mentioned that too cuz there was a time where i had to do a run not a, not a run test but like a i had to do a hike up a small mountain in utah this is for the jim jones certification uh and leading up to that event, like I did all the the indoor gym training and stuff like that. But one other thing that I did is I would go on a three mile brisk hike every day. And there were like 30 or so people that did this. And I had done zero running. And I think I finished like fourth or fifth out of the 30. And so I just thought it was interesting because just simply the consistency with which I did that through my, I did it every day. Cause I, it was basically how I would exercise my dog, but it was, it was pretty amazing to me how that had built my cardiovascular system just cause I did it every day. And it was also too going back to your eighty twenty rule. It was all easy. You know what I mean? Like all those hikes that I did were, were easy. I never like was trying to like push myself, but what it did is it just like leveled up my capacity really, really high. Um, so it's just kind of, as I was listening to you talk through that, that's kind of what came to my mind.
2: Yeah, that's a perfect example right there. Like taking yourself, sometimes it's unintentional like that. Yeah. You're just going for those long walks and has the highs and lows of the terrain and making sure you yep. kind of are pacing yourself in some manner. And when it comes to that 20% of pushing yourself and like test yourself for like, wow, like I actually have a lot within me and I didn't even really train for mm-hmm. this a sentence, but I was doing something that's so transferable yeah. and relatable that it just carried over to that day and it was so helpful. Yeah.
1: So some closing remarks here, I guess getting towards the end of this, what are some things that you could provide the audience to when it comes to like getting onto the path of building up your running or if you haven't ran in a while or haven't done specific running at all, how do, what are are some good ways that you get to get people accustomed to doing this type of activity?
2: So I'd say when you do get yourself into new activity, it's definitely hard to get things going alone or at least figuring out what is your starting block or who you wanna share that effort with. And I'd say a huge thing is having a partner in hand that will be by your side that has maybe similar goals or is already going through it and is there to support you so you don't feel like you're alone or if you hit a stump and you fall and it's really hard to pick yourself back up sometimes and or at least continue, you don't just give
0: up. Is that a metaphorical stump? Or a physical stump, both. Okay, all right, I like it. Yes, double entendre, folks. Boom.
1: We love double entendres here and puns, love them, and dad jokes. Well, I think that's more specifically me, but oh yeah,
2: you gotta have some dad jokes like those. (laughs) But yes, it is definitely both metaphorical and physical stump along your path when it comes to getting your running routine down so have your partner uh with you or of course a friend um, that'll help you uh, down that road Um, and even so if maybe you don't have a friend or someone nearby maybe you can try and find yourself within a club or group of people that will help push you or keep you on track as best as possible because by helping you go and keeping you there you can have the fun and the struggle uh shared together um that way it's just not a solo effort all the time i know eventually maybe you want to get things done on your own and you want to feel you want some independence down the road but maybe in that starting block have someone by your side and giving you
1: the support that you
2: would like to have yeah i think that's huge
1: and with that you got to say it sir
2: avoid the bullshit. boom
1: Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a 5-star rating.
0: This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production.
1: So absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at project13gyms. You can find myself at fan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social
0: media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.